This time on Holy Ghost Notes. Throw on Holy Ghost Notes because it makes me feel a little better. I mean, uh... My wife is pregnant. So just breathe. Hello and welcome to Holy Ghost Notes. This is Matt and Tim. What's going on? Hey. Not too much, man. Well, actually a lot. I always say not too much. It's the first thing that comes to mind when someone says, hey, what's up? How are you? Yeah. Not much, man. I'm good. You yeah. know, but actually, yep. Yep. Yeah, a lot. A lot's going on. <laughs> it's yeah. been busy. Yeah. It's Have been... a nice flight. You too. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. enjoy your dinner. <laughs> you too. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those natural reactions. Yeah. I used to work at a movie theater in concessions and I, you know, we were scripted to say, you know, enjoy your movie. Here's your popcorn. Right. Enjoy your movie. I can't tell you how many people would always respond with you too. Well, you you know what I mean. <laughs> it's, it's like that that gut reaction is to like reciprocate yeah. the the uh, request or the greeting, you know. And and uh, yeah, in a lot of cases, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Shows it shows you how mindless we are as as humans. You know, we kind of just stick to, uh, you know, the the polite thing or the right thing to do is to. Say, yeah. yeah, you too. You have a, you know, have a great day. You too. You know, have a great flight. Yeah. Oh, you too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> enjoy your yeah, movie. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's true. And we do that all the time, but yeah. hopefully, yeah. hopefully we're getting better at it. It's tough having a podcast because you get into a rhythm of what you want to say in the future and what happens between now and then is sort of, it feels unimportant. So you yeah. just rush along until you get to the point. Yeah, And we do that in life too, but we certainly do that in conversation or if we're going to the grocery store and something happens along the way, we just wish that it wouldn't happen so we can get to where we're going. Right. When a lot of times what happens on the way is important Absolutely. and shouldn't be skipped over. Um, so that's, that's a nice little, you know, little nugget up front uh, <laughs> yeah. for me to remember for sure. Hopefully we go. get better at that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's good to be back on the podcast. It's been, it feels like it's been a while. It's been a month like it's been since a we actually recorded. Time. Yeah. Yeah, we were working ahead. Uh, I was doing a lot of farming and uh, working on recording my worship band last month. Cool. And then I'm rehearsing for uh, some work with the band. So I just knew October was going to be nuts. So yeah, uh, I said I said to you, Tim, this was probably back in September. Like I can't do anything in October, <laughs> yeah. so we need to basically just backlog all of this work and mm-hmm. get it done. And so I'm pretty sure at one point we recorded two guest episodes in like three days. Yeah, I think it was a matter of a week and a half where we fit in three guest episodes and then we were trying to do like the, you know, the intro, outro, pre-roll stuff and, and yeah, it was a crazy September leading to a very vacant October. Um, for Holy Ghost Notes. For Holy Ghost for sure. Notes, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not for our <laughs> personal lives, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's good to be back here. Um, got got all the work done I needed to get done. It's That is typically the case. Mm-hmm. You look ahead, you think, how am I going to get everything done? And it always works out. Um, and if it doesn't, life goes on and, yeah, you know, do what you can. But uh, it is nice to be back on the podcast with you. So what have you been up to? Catch me up. Man, uh, mostly work-related stuff, but... Um, yeah. You know, my wife is pregnant. She is 26 weeks pregnant as of right now. I don't know if I ever mentioned that on the podcast. Um, But, uh, yeah, so so we've just been gearing up for that. It's actually been really cool because the baby is moving around a lot, which is an indication of a a 
crazy child if our first one is anything to, to show for it. But uh, <laughs> it's actually like recently, uh, a couple nights ago, um, at this point in the development stage, the baby can see his eyes work. Okay. So okay. Um, it's interesting hi- seeing him respond to light. Like my wife yeah. threw on her phone flashlight by accident, it's pointed at the belly, and right right away you saw a big kick in the belly. It's just like seriously, yeah, yeah. It's it's wild to see. So we're like, okay, well his eyes work well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. That is wild. Um, so we're just gearing up. Uh, the baby's due in in February, so. Okay. Just getting ready. Uh, it's weird actually coming at the second child because the first one, at this point, we were in like scramble mode. Like, what do we yeah. do? How do we prepare? We, everything needs to be ready. And and with this one, it's like, ah, I don't need to set up a changing table. He'll, we'll change him on the couch, <laughs> on the floor. Uh, you know, he doesn't need a crib. He'll, you know, bassinet for the first year or two, and then we'll figure yep. it out from there. You know, we don't <laughs> yeah. need to paint, paint the room. We don't need, you know, it's just so weird. Uh, the middle child syndrome thing. I, I'm sure you understand, Matt. You're, <laughs> oh yeah, you're. Yeah, by the time my parents had the eighth kid, it was like, oh, we're having a baby. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> okay. Okay. Business as usual. <laughs> he can eat grown up uh, food as soon as he's born. You know, it's, yeah. it, you just sort of become so lackadaisical with it. Yep. And uh, but you know, all all life is is so is so precious, and it's just yeah. it's a it's awesome to hear. Just little things like that 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 I never knew about, um, you know, a baby being able to see at 26 weeks. Yeah. And that's just incredible. And it won't be long before we're talking about, you know, your child and what his personality's like. And, I know. You know, and and it's it's neat to have friends who uh, are building their families and growing their families and dealing with all the challenges that come with that because yeah. that's, that's life. I yeah. mean you think it's easy to be with someone when you're dating and then maybe things get tough and then you start a family then you have kids. And from what my brothers and sisters tell me who are all married, it's really difficult when you have kids because your priority becomes your children. Mm-hmm. Um, so having you on this podcast and being able to sort of field questions <laughs> like, what is it like, you know, <laughs> how are you doing with this aspect of your life is really significant because I'm not in that yeah. position. I hope I um, haven't scared you away. So. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> Just wait. Wait until the second one yeah. comes, and then it's going to be a different story. <laughs> Run! Yeah. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's really cool that you're bringing that up, too, because I, I, uh, my anniversary is this weekend, six years. Um, oh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited because I took off tomorrow and through, through the weekend, so I'm going to actually try to spend some time with, with my wife <laughs> instead cool. of with... Yeah, uh, just my my kids. So that that time your is son, definitely yeah. important. Yeah, yeah, especially before you have a baby, and you know your priority is taking care of the baby mm-hmm. at all hours of the day, and probably more so your wife than you at times, because that's just you know how it goes. Like it, it's yep. it's while we're on this topic, my brother in law, his name's Josh. He was telling me uh, that when him and my sister Anya had their daughter Addison. Um, I, I just asked him, I was like, so when you had Addison, did you immediately feel like you loved her? And he's like, honestly, no, mm-hmm. not at all. Like, I, I, she felt foreign to me. Of course, I love her in a sense that, like, I love people and I, yeah. I don't want to hate people. But she didn't feel like she was mine kind of mm-hmm. love. Um, and he said a lot of the reason for that is because um, Addison 
was kind of separated from Josh and Anya. My sister's name's Anya for a while because of uh, some complications and then obviously oh, wow. COVID. Yeah. And so a baby should have skin to skin contact with the mom right away for, you know, a while. And then with the dad too. And, yeah. and that builds that connection up front. And Josh just didn't have that opportunity. And he said, what's, what's cool is now I think she might be two or three. No, she's older than that. She's probably like five or six months old. Jeez. Oh, wow. 2020 yeah, um right she um he really does feel a connection to her as in it's his daughter mm. she is his child and yeah. he loves her in a way that he couldn't have imagined before but it, it didn't happen right away um uh, it wasn't an immediate thing and i i appreciated someone being as honest and transparent as he was about it because i feel like what i've heard is like oh you just love your child so much the second they're born there's there's no question about it and yep. if that's the precedent that's set then if you don't feel that way then there is a margin of like of shame because yeah. you're not feeling the feelings you should be feeling according to what someone sets in in motion and uh that's just totally unfair yeah so um yeah so that's it is neat to see people building their families and i'm really excited for you guys i know it's oh, been it certainly hasn't been without challenges and those challenges will make you appreciate your family even more because Absolutely. you'll you realize how how um, miraculous it is mm -hmm. to conceive and carry out a pregnancy and have a baby and yeah. just you know bring this human being into this world. So, yeah, challenges are important, special. man. Makes us who we are. Makes those experiences all that more valuable and important. It certainly so, does. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you've had a lot going on. Uh, we're not going to get too into detail, but uh, for those of you that don't know already, uh, ABR is going to be doing a live stream. So this episode comes out on the 10th. Um, so in oh, a few nice. days. A couple of days. days uh, tell My us a little bit sweaty. about what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> you've been, My palms are sweaty. I'm nervous just thinking about a lot, it. <laughs> a lot of work into it. So what, uh, No kidding. How, how, can, uh, how can people sign up for this? Yeah, so August Wins Red's doing a live stream performance. Thrill Seeker, 15-year anniversary. That's I awesome. wrote the record when I was like 17, 18, recorded it when I was 19. Mm -hmm. I was just a kid. And I was telling JB, 19-year-old uh, me was giving 30, I just turned 35, 35-year-old me a run for his money. <laughs> like, I was just writing the fastest stuff I could write. Yeah. And once again, we've talked about this. I've had to go back and watch videos of be playing drums of other people playing drums on youtube to learn my own songs because mm. i just could not break down some of these parts some of the songs we had we have not played outside of the studio ever wow. so suffice it to say it's been 15 years since i've even played some of these parts Crazy. so i'm like you know youtube.com august <laughs> burns red consumer drum cover and there's like one video and it has 412 views you know and so i i'll watch it 20 times learn as much as i can comment thanks for the help really needed it the guy comments back no way this is matt yes it is i needed your help thank you and he's like oh my gosh and i'm thinking it's been 15 years so this dude's probably working in an office somewhere hasn't touched his kit in 15 yeah. years since he made the video <laughs> and you know uh That's it's just incredible. it's just funny if you're ever if you're contemplating making a drum cover or any sort of cover, putting yourself out there, you should do it because you just never know yeah. what could happen. There's no way this kid could have assumed that 15 years I'd be using his video to relearn my own drum parts. <laughs> but as it turns out, that's what happened. So 
crazy. Uh, I'm rehearsing all of these songs that I haven't played in a while, many of which are hard, just very tough for me to play. Um, yeah. And I, my, my girlfriend doesn't really understand that. Like, you wrote the song 15 years ago. Like, what's, what's hard about it? And it's, no one will understand. It's just hard to articulate why it's difficult, but it just yeah. is. So um, it's been fun and very nostalgic. And we have a live stream show coming up on the 14th so that you guys can all see it. So um, lots of practice between now and then. Also in October, I recorded my worship band. Uh, it's called Clay Collective. We recorded cool. with Grant and Carson, who do all the August Burns Red records. Nice. So nice. it was nice to have a have people who don't really work in the CCM world working on Christian music um, and giving it a professional feel. Yeah. And um, it was fun. It was a chaotic week because just with practicing the songs and stuff, I wasn't able to be there all the time. Mm-hmm. The August Burns Red songs. Uh, so I'm glad to have had the help that I had there at the studio just to just sort of take the reins and drive. Yeah. Um, so I'm going in the end of November to work on the mix and tracks and percussion for it. And then hopefully in December, be able to share some of that with you guys. Cool. Um, Tim, you'll, you'll probably not like most of it because it's not your thing, <laughs> but, uh, I might be able to, I might be able to sell you on a song or two. Yeah. I have a song in mind actually. I think maybe you'll like, I'll, I'll listen to the whole thing. I'll, I'll give it, uh, right. I'll give it the old college try, you know? It's seven songs, so it won't take you too long. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Just seven. We no, were I, supposed I, to do five, and I wrote a piano song, oh, cool. and um, then we brought another guy in who has a phenomenal voice, and we put together a seventh song with him. That's so. awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I, I yeah. do. I I do like worship music. Select worship music. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I and I know I know how you write music, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm sure I'll like okay. a lot of it, if not all it's, of it. It's I did a podcast episode like last year with a guy named um, a podcast. Uh, I think it's Undaunted Life is the name of it. Mm. It's not. It's not very huge, but it's it's by it's a gentleman who runs it. He reached out to me, and we start off the episode. I think one of his first questions was, or kind of statements was, "So you like worship music?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Dude, a lot of this audience is going to be." turned off to that comment immediately and i'm like all right well do you still want to do the rest of the episode (laughs) should we keep going because i'm not going to change my mind like is it a big deal like it's just a preference like some people like taylor swift and i don't know most of i mean everybody has a guilty pleasure i I don't want to call worship music a guilty pleasure it's just it's worship music is effectively indie music with with lyrics that are oftentimes kind of sad yeah and point towards someone saving them yeah <laughs> loving them yeah taking care of them it's like i don't really see the the harm in that there's definitely scripture. a lot of yeah. there's a lot of like tongue in cheek cheesy generic stuff going on and i i get that that's why i started this mm-hmm. i don't i don't want christian music to be secondary to secular music yeah and i'm using these terms because i don't know how else to describe it i don't really think there is such a thing as christian music but yeah. it's a band that's written songs that hopefully can be sung in church yeah is the best way i can put it yeah there's it i mean i was in worship bands throughout most of my life um 
and I'll still go back and, and play it, um, select select songs, but I, I still write a lot of worship music. It just doesn't, it's yeah. not like Hillsong necessarily or like, yeah. you know, uh, it's just, yeah, it's different. <laughs> it's, it's more, better. It's, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's, well, that's, that's why it's so hard to <laughs> yeah. classify like a Christian or a worship song as opposed to some other song because it's just a song that I wrote and the lyrics lend themselves more towards uh you know s- biblical principles or something exactly. i'm feeling in relation to my relationship with christ or the melodies are a little bit more singable yeah. <laughs> with a group exactly. of people who don't know how to sing <laughs> all these runs and you know whatever it's you know yeah but yeah it's interesting yeah so yeah. that'll be coming out cool, um, I- i'm hoping like by christmas but i don't know it depends how the mixing goes Nice. So all that to say, it's nice to have October in the books. If you're listening to this, I don't know what, what your fall has been like, but it, for Tim and I, it seems like everything happens at once. Yeah. And I imagine that's the case with a lot of people. It's just everything gets busy at once. Yep. And then you wake up the next day and you have nothing. And so <laughs> it's tough. You know, it's, it's kind of tough to have a schedule like that where it's like all in and then nothing at all. Right. It's, it can be really unhealthy because you can just live in the extremes in life and the pendulum swings from way over here to way over here. And it's like, I just want this normalcy in the middle. Yeah. Um, and we were talking a little bit about, uh, about this before the podcast. This podcast is a good way for Tim and I to prioritize something that maybe would fall on the back burner in most cases, mm-hmm. which is just sitting down, spending some time talking about things that are going on in our heart and our lives and our families. Mm-hmm things that actually matter at the end of the day. Right. And everyone would agree that those things matter the most, that they should be prioritized. But unfortunately, when things get busy, they're the things that um, just kind of slip through the yep. cracks because there's expectations and pressure put on us to um, succeed in other areas of our life. That's right. So all that to say, you know, maybe it's just a reminder to both of us, like, okay, the busy time's over. Now let's spend a lot of, you know, a little time uh, working on the things that are important that we didn't have time for. I know yeah. you're you're still extraordinarily busy, um, but my busy times slowed down a little bit. So yeah, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> That's good, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Q4 is going to be busy. It always is, but you know it's yeah. Uh, it is good, and and you're exactly right. This uh, this podcast has been uh, a great reason to sit down and have a conversation like this a couple times a month, and. Uh, and honestly, at this point, it even surpasses the podcast because you as listeners um, and our inner circle, you know, are, are involved in the conversation and carrying on the conversation past just this episode. So um, mm-hmm. it's cool to be involved in that and, and see that happening. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we got a good one for you guys today. Um, our drum topic is accuracy, which I'm actually surprised we haven't talked about before um yeah because it's a pretty important topic and then our Mm -hmm. faith or life slash god topic is um thankfulness which is Mm -hmm. kind of just in line with thanksgiving coming up and an interesting topic considering the year that we've had (laughs) Um, (laughs) so i'm excited to talk about both of these things Um, yeah and yeah might as well get right into it All right, let's jump in. So I'll start with accuracy. All right. So drumming in a metal band requires accuracy. I think that's part of the reason I like playing drums in a metal band, right? Mm -hmm. It's like 
you can't just wash your way through parts. The opposite of accuracy, in my mind, would just sort of be slop. Mm. Um, <laughs> if you're if you're not accurate, if you're inaccurate, then you're sloppy, or you're just. Uh, I just imagine this big ride symbol that you're washing on. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're just sort of washing your way through parts. There are applications for that. Uh, worship music, we were just talking about, it, is one of those. The reason I'm drawn to metal is that I just imagine like I'm holding the stick, the the tip of a stick is where I imagine a lot of the accuracy in my drumming coming from. Like when I envision mm-hmm. taking a stick and striking a drum or a cymbal, I envision this, this little point on the end of a stick as being the, the point of contact. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be on a hi-hat, which is just like the, the tip of that stick versus the shaft, the shaft would be this portion here, um, or the head of a drum, whatever it is. In most cases, unless I'm on a crash cymbal, it's going to be that tip of the stick. And right. so that it that in and of itself just screams accuracy, right? Because you're talking about such a small small contact point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you if you zoom in a little bit more, you have something like a 10-inch tom, which is only giving you so much space to hit, and you're looking to hit the center of that drum to get the optimum sound out of the, you know, the head, the shell. And then on top of that, you have a microphone attached to the side. So accuracy is where I try to live as a drummer. When I sit down mm-hmm. to play, my mindset is play accurately. Play with this confidence that I'm going to play the parts the way that I wrote them. And accuracy is married into that idea of um, you know, muscle memory, um, practicing the transitions between the parts, practicing the parts themselves, but all of those factors fall apart if you're not accurately playing not only the drum, but the part itself. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'd like to focus more on playing drums accurate, um, accurately versus playing your, your parts accurately, because I, th- I think maybe mm-hmm. we could go both ways. Um, yeah. But I think, I think as a listener, you'd want to hear more about your accuracy as a drummer. So a big... A big point that I want to make as I thought about this topic is how you're sitting. If I'm sitting too far away from my kit, I'm not hitting the center of my snare drum toms. I'm probably missing some cymbals. So in other words, as I go to strike a cymbal, I'm completely missing it altogether. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so where I'm sitting and how I'm sitting and how, how, high, or, or, um, how high or low my throne is really does affect my ability to be an accurate drummer. If my throne is too high, I feel super uncomfortable. Like, ugh, mm-hmm. I need I need to lower this before I can even play a simple rock beat. If my throne is too low, I feel like I'm falling away from the kit. So where I start when I'm playing drums and I'm looking to be an accurate drummer is my throne height and the distance my throne is from my kit. In setting up for rehearsals uh, for... Uh, for this project we have coming up, I actually took a tape measure and I, I measured the distance between my throne and the front of my kick drum. Hmm. And I put it in my notepad in my iPhone. I did the same thing from the center of the throne to the center of the snare, center of the throne to the, to the edge of the crash. And I just kind of mapped out my dimensions so that I could yeah. replicate my home practice setup when I'm practicing somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, the only reason that I would do that is because I I feel like I'm playing the way I should be playing here, and I want to replicate that exact setup 
when I'm out there playing. Mm. Um, and so if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, I feel sloppy, I feel uncomfortable. I, I feel like I'm battling the drums instead of just playing them. That big difference between like, I feel like everything's a struggle. I would recommend before you even get to the point of like, I want to be an accurate drummer, you need to be a comfortable drummer. Like you have to be comfortable in your throne sitting at your drum set. Otherwise, yeah. you can't be accurate because you're constantly thinking about all of these factors that are um, taking away from the brain power required to, to play the drum parts. Mm-hmm. In the same way that we've talked about uh, when you go through a divorce, there are there are so many things that are required of you in, in usually one or two areas that everything else suffers in your life. Like your emotional energy is drained. Your mental energy is drained. And so everything else takes a hit too. It's the same yeah. way with this. If you're not comfortable on your throne, the distance from which you're sitting from your kit, the height of your cymbals, the height of your drums, all of that stuff will be at the, at the front of your mind, if you can imagine that. And all of the important stuff will be back behind it and you, and you won't be able to access it. You'll, you'll just hit this wall of frustration. Yeah. So um, what I recommend, we've talked about this before, is take away everything on your kit. Keep your kick, your snare, and your throne. And maybe your hi-hat. Take away everything else. Kick, snare, throw, and hi-hat. And sit there and just play. And adjust things so that those elements are comfortable. Mm-hmm. When you're comfortable, bring in Tom 1. Bring in Tom 2, if applicable, and floor Tom. And then start to build the kit around the, the foundation of your plane, which is hi-hat, kick, and snare. And I guarantee you, you'll be more comfortable. Um, what I used to do is struggle with like fitting in all these pieces when the snare and the, the kick weren't right to begin with. So nothing else was going to work. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that, that's, that's where I wanted to start with accuracy. Uh, I wanted to start with accuracy by not talking about accuracy and actually laying <laughs> a foundation for it that's because good. I feel like there's a lot more to it than just like, here's how you hit the center of a drum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. That's, uh, that's, that's right on the money. Um, so for those of you listening who are still trying to digest or figure out what exactly we mean by accuracy, <laughs> here's a good, uh, here's a good observation that I've made for myself. So, um, if I hear, um, a, a great drummer like Matt, like, uh, like Benny Greb, like Ash Stone, for instance, and it just sounds tight. And I can go yeah. and play that same part, same, you know, same exact, you know, whatever, kick, snare, hi-hat, yeah. um, play that same part, but it just doesn't sound the same. It doesn't have that, that impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done this many times, trying to play what Aaron Spears has played, and failing. <laughs> um, <laughs> a big reason, I mean, there, there, there is like your, your own personal touch, your own personal flavor, uh, you know, that, that comes into play. Like I said, like no one's gonna sound like Travis Barker because Travis Barker is Travis Barker, and you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, a lot of what those guys have going for them is accuracy. Um, it is hitting with with a similar velocity um, consistently. Velocity meaning the speed and strength of your hit. Um, one of the litmus tests that I always do is I look at my heads. And see how far apart the um, the strokes are just by looking mm-hmm. at the marks on the head. 
You know, yeah. if I know that I want to hit the center of the snare, the center of the tom to get that that tone the right way, you know, mm-hmm. um, and my strokes are all over the place, you know, I, it's especially clear when I put on brand new heads and yeah. go to record and I'm like, shoot, I already know that I didn't play the part that well because yeah. there's stroke marks all over the place. And this yeah. varies a little bit with style. You know, some people hit the edges, the rims, for the the flavor of music that they're playing, but um, in my case, it's usually rock and it's usually impact and it's usually tone. And yeah. for that, I need to be hit in the center. Um, so that's a litmus test. Look at your heads. Um, the other thing is not necessarily the position or the the place that you're hitting on the head, but like I said, the velocity or the strength. Um, consistency is a big part of accuracy, mm-hmm. um, as you'll hear with Matt. Particularly, like I remember when you sent me the first um, takes of your uh, MGL covers, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Dude, these sound awesome!" And I was like, "Yeah, how'd you get it to sound that good? Like without even mixing?" And you just said, "I just <laughs> hit it. I just hit the drums as hard as I could." Oh yeah, um, and it's it, and so it sounds so good because it's consistent. You're you're consistently yeah. hitting the heads at the same velocity in mm-hmm. the same spot consistently throughout the song. Um, And so it sounds better because it sounds almost more robotic, right? Um, That's not always what everyone goes for, but but typically if if every single time you hit the same drum and it sounds different, it's not going to sound very uh, uniform, uniform, you know, uniform. Right, Um, which you don't want in metal. In metal, you you need that robotic feel. Yeah, yeah. And so there's other things to take into consideration like ghost notes. Obviously, if you're accenting notes... You don't want to hit every single note with the same velocity. Um, but even with your ghost notes, like what I've been working on a lot recently is um, adding accuracy and consistency to my accented notes so that in my lead-ups to my full stroke, mm-hmm. each of those ghost notes is the same velocity, same, mm-hmm. you know, same, same hit, um, same distance <laughs> from the snare. Um, because that, that makes it sound tighter. You know, that's why Aaron Spears sounds so good because he spent his time focusing on not just what he's playing, not just the triplet groove, yeah. but exactly how he's hitting that drum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, how I think he's you bring holding up, onto that I stick. Think, I think you bring up the point. I, I, think, I think this is the point for me, the takeaway with accuracy is put on a brand new pair of heads, mm-hmm. set, sit down at your kit, close your eyes and play. And see where your hits are. You're going yeah. to be able to see them. To your point, when you have new heads on, you can see exactly where you're hitting on the drum. <laughs> yep. On tour, I have this problem of hitting Tom one mic. Mm. And I know when I do it. I know when I do it. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, I have that problem too, or sometimes I hit the edge of the drum, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. What I do sometimes if I get to a really hard part that I know is going to be difficult and I've messed up before, I'll lean in. And when I lean in, my stick goes, what, three inches forward Mm. and hits the mic. That's it. And so I, to your point, I know I played a really good show if I didn't knock off the cap on the microphone. (laughs) But it's it's like a classic thing I do. I I knock off the cap on Tom mic number one. Like, I just do it. And I find it on the carpet afterwards and we put it right back on. I'm like, all right. And there are tours where I'll do it every single night. Like every single night I'll do it. 
And then I'll get to one show where it's still on there. I'm like, yes, I sat back. Like I sat back, I sat straight and I just got through it. And you play better that way. You, you play yeah. better when you're centered and you're balanced. Mm-hmm. And that's why I talk so much about the way that you sit. If you're struggling with feeling comfortable, a lot of it has to do with how you're sitting uh, and where you're sitting. How you're sitting, meaning high, low, and are you sitting with good posture? Where you're mm-hmm. sitting, meaning how far away from the kid are you? If you're too close, everything feels clustered. You're bringing your shoulders way back. Um, you're hitting rims. You're 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 probably dropping sticks because you're mm-hmm. going to catch the underside of cymbals and yep. drums. It's it's just a mess. Oh, yeah. And if you're sitting too far away, then you're having to lean in. You know. You're having mm-hmm. to lean in and the whole set feels like you're fighting the kit. Right. And so I like the fact that we're coming at this from two different angles, which we are, which is like for you, you're looking to see how did you play? Mm-hmm. Um, where are those hits as an indication of how you played? For me, it's like if I'm comfortable, then I'll know how I'm going to play. It mm-hmm. precedes yeah. me playing altogether. Yeah. If I yeah. sit down and things feel right, they're in the right spot, then I'm good to go. Um, but seriously, if, if, if you're trying to increase your accuracy as a drummer, put on new heads, at least snare and turn off the lights, close your eyes, just do whatever it is so that you're playing the way you would play without thinking about, uh, like about where you're heading. And if you're hitting the, the upper rim, uh, the upper circle of the drum head, the snare drum head, then put your snare drum further, you know, beyond you, or maybe focus on tucking back in your left arm. So mm-hmm. you're not hitting way out here. You're kind of tucking in your elbow. That's something I do. I, I typically hit the upper circumference of that center ring on the snare. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wish I could pull it back like two inches. And so when I'm practicing, sometimes I'll, I'll tuck my elbow back in. I'll look down and I'll see that the tip of the, the stick is hitting the center of the drum. Yeah. Or in some cases, I'll choke up a little bit more. You know, like you talked about Travis Barker, he's like halfway up the stick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't go that crazy. Don't go that high. I wouldn't recommend don't that. Do that. But <laughs> for me, it's like thumb on the American flag on a Vic Firth stick mm. is what feels good. And if I'm way back here, then that's an inch that the stick is beyond where it probably should be. Yeah, yeah. So if you're listening to this and and you're wondering how to gauge your accuracy, um, there are a few different ways that we just laid out for you if you know if you're watching that video i mean aaron spears is a bad example because you're probably going to feel <laughs> inadequate <laughs> if you watch an aaron spears video and then go to try to play drums but yeah um but if, you, if you're hearing those parts consistently that guy is so good he sounds so crisp so clean what am i doing wrong start here matt mm-hmm. laid it out get comfortable make sure that mm-hmm. you're Seat height is right. Make sure you're spaced out from the drums right. Do that litmus test. Check to Mm -hmm. see where your strokes are landing. Um, And what I would say is actually focus, spend some time, instead of trying to play as fast as you can or figure out all these parts, you know, trying to start starting to learn, um, like, uh, linear patterns or whatever, just start with your stroke. Like, play single strokes for five minutes 10 minutes straight and just try to get those strokes to sound exactly the same Mm -hmm. when you can't tell the difference between strokes like you know that's that's improvement right that's true um and for me as a studio drummer primarily um i'm listening back to myself so that's another big thing that you can do is record yourself listen back 
start to figure out um, where your inaccuracies are so that you can fix those inaccuracies. If I know every time I hit this tom, it is not as strong as my, you know, with my left hand on my le- on my high tom, it's not as strong as my right hand on my floor tom. Yeah. And so in the mix, right off the bat, before there's any editing, <laughs> I know, okay, I need to fix that. I need yeah. to be hitting that stronger. Um, or with my ghost notes, which is usually my problem, is it sounds sloppy. Sloppy is yeah. a great uh, antonym, I think, yeah. to yeah. accuracy because to accuracy. Uh, that's exactly, at least in the drum sense, that's um, that's exactly. It starts to sound sloppy when you're not being when you're not playing with accuracy. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Stuff. I like that. I think going between rudiments, like you said, is also a good way. And mm-hmm. the studio thing, yeah. I think both those points are true. But going between singles and doubles, you'll really mm-hmm. see how inaccurate you are with velocities and spacing. Yep. And then studio, you're going to hear all your flaws, and you can. That gives you the luxury of being able to zoom in in a yep. figurative sense and figure out, okay, I screw up every time I go from this beat to this fill. So what's happening mm-hmm. there? Oh, I'm rushing it. Okay. So yep. just breathe. <sighs> okay. When I'm playing that beat, I'm going to focus on breathing. I know it sounds kind of mm-hmm. dumb, but I do that a lot. When I'm yep. rushing parts, I have to remember to breathe through it because I'll hold my breath and then I'll get through it and I'll always rush it. And if I breathe... Not only is it helping your body out, you're not disabling your, you know, your limbs, you know, depriving them of, of oxygen, but you're also <laughs> not depriving your brain and you're just more relaxed. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of factors that play into this, but ultimately it's a good idea to improve your accuracy as a drummer. There are genres in which it sounds cool to be mildly accurate or mildly mm-hmm. inaccurate. It is. Mm-hmm. Some some genres sound cool with that kind of drumming. But in most cases, if you're looking for it to be your profession, you're going to want to be able to play along to a song that's on the radio and play it with accuracy. And yep. all of these factors that we just laid out will be helpful, I think. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, the, it's, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big part of, of drumming, uh, I think. Um, yeah, and yep, styles shift the importance of it, but uh, it should always be something that you're working on, regardless. Um, yeah. So so take some time to focus on that in your practice, um, instead of just focusing on your blast beats or your yeah your double kick <laughs> yeah. or your linear fills, like me. You know, <laughs> yeah, because because ultimately everything will sound better. Um at the end of the day if you have that uh, that stick control and that and yeah. you know you're hitting those notes the right way so that's true yeah. that's very true yeah good stuff all right uh accuracy. how about you take on the uh god topic today yeah yeah cool you want to um, lead this one off yeah so yeah let's do it um so thankfulness uh 2020 it's been a year it's been uh <laughs> It's it's sometimes tough to think about what to be thankful for. Um, one thing I love about uh, the company that I work for uh, is every Monday we have a, a scrum meeting or a team meeting, start off the week right, and we actually uh, we have a a segment of this meeting I guess um, that we call points of gratitude, 
and we just go around the room and everyone talks about something that they're thankful for. Um, and it's been tough to think of things at times, which is ridiculous because I have so much to be thankful for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I will never stop running out of things to be thankful for. True. Um, every breath is technically um, a new thing to be thankful for. A gift. For. Yeah. A gift. It's a gift. Um, and, and so I know I, I wanted to kind of take this from two um, – two perspectives here, because I know that there's a lot of you listening that aren't Christians, um, but a lot of you listening that are. So first off, I'm going to, I'm going to hit all of you worship drummers out there um, or people listening in worship music or people that just go to church and like to worship. Um, there's something that's stuck with me for a long time. And it's a verse in, in Psalms. It's a, I think it's Psalms 104. I might be wrong about that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 104. I'll look it up. And the psalm, all right, there you go. Uh, the psalm, if I have it correct, it says, um, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It's, a, it's an unassuming verse. Most people wouldn't think that much into it, but I thought, I was like, oh, wait, wait a second. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Why is it in that order? Obviously, the gates come, for, come first. You have to enter the gates to get into the courts. You're entering his gates with thanksgiving and then entering his courts with praise. Yeah, so I have it um, pulled up here. Both, I think you did a pretty good job. Right. Psalms one hundred. Right? Yeah, Psalms 104. Enter his gates. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving uh, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. There you go. All right. So paraphrased different translation version that I had. But <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, the takeaway that I had, and it stuck with me all throughout my years of playing in worship bands, is entering his gates with thanksgiving. Now, I think that some of this can be taken literally like maybe this is um, prophetic in a way of what it's going to be like going into heaven entering his gates with thanksgiving and then in, into his courts with praise. But I think a lot of it can be, be actually taken at face value in our current life, hmm. where we are right now, entering into a worship service or just entering into worship in life. This is how I approach any of my personal worship services, if, if you can call it that, is I, I, I think, all right, first I'm going to be thankful. There's, I'm going to think of something to thank God for. I'm going to hmm. be thankful for this day or thankful for my life or thankful for the great lunch that I had. You know, I start there with thankfulness. And as soon as I thank God for something, that ushers me into a place of praise. Hmm, that's right. Right? So as soon as I'm thankful, it, it weeds out that um, exterior stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I am focusing on the good and what I'm thankful for. I'm thanking God for it. And then I start to realize how good he is. Mm -hmm. As soon as I'm thankful to him, it's like, oh, you gave this to me. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You're so good to me. You know, yeah. and that's, and right, right off the bat, it's just natural progression. Thankfulness into praise. And both are technically worship. Yeah. Thanking God is a form of worship. 
there are worship songs that are full on thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah. it is a form of worship. Yeah. So that's that's my worship process. I start with thanks, and then I go into praise. And I think that it's it's um it's crucial. So for those of you in worship bands or just you like to worship, think about that. Take that into consideration because that's something that I think has kind of transformed how I worship. Just just starting with that has really um kind of changed uh how I approach it, you know, and my experience my, with it. My pastor told my brother um who works for the church Mm, this might have been, I don't know how long ago it was, but my brother told me about this yesterday. Very timely okay. conversation. Hmm. Pastor of my church told my brother um, how he how he prays, and he challenged my brother to do it. So there's a building next to the church called Gateway. Gateway is a 24-hour prayer and worship building. Hmm. So they've been doing this for years. I, I'm not exactly sure how long. I think it's a beyond 10 years. Mm-hmm. And when there's no one there leading worship, they just have worship music playing. My pastor, Pastor Kevin, um, encourages the staff at the church to go into this building and spend two hours praying. Hmm. Once a week, I think. So a staff member goes in Monday, another one Tuesday, so on and so forth. My pastor recommended my brother pray in there two hours per week. He also recommended how he pray. And what he said is, I challenge you to not ask God for anything. Don't ask him for a single request to be met in your two-hour prayer time. Hmm. Ben told me this yesterday. I didn't really think about it too much until just now when I realized what he probably meant by that was, when you pray, thank God. When you pray... Tell him what you're thankful for instead of ask him what you wish you had. And and mm-hmm. the reason I think this is such an important conversation is because it directs all of our lives. It directs all of our hearts. It directs how we treat other people. Because if we approach yeah. a conversation with gratitude for that other person, for what they have to say, for their stance on politics or religion or culture, then we're going to be more open to what it is that convicts them to believe the way they do about that particular subject. We're just grateful for that person. We're grateful for the conversation. We're grateful to be alive. Everything's coming from this place of gratitude. And from that place, you're able to look someone else in the eyes who you disagree with, and you're willing to say, I can see why you would be approaching this from that perspective. Instead of saying, you need to change. You need to believe what I believe. Now think about that. As you extrapolate that into your personal dealings with God, as you're saying, you're approaching God, God, with this idea mm-hmm. of, I'm only going to thank you first. That is what I will do first from a place of gratitude. And from that place, the next obvious choice is to praise him for that very thing which he gave you, mm-hmm. that very thing that you're thankful for. Because if you believe in the God of the Christian Bible, all throughout history, we see God giving terrible people things they didn't deserve. And the only way that you can, the only way you realize that you don't deserve something is if you're thankful for the thing you've been given. Otherwise, you just dwell on all of the things in your life that you're, that you wish were different, right? I mean, it, 
it changes your interaction with the world around you. It changes your interaction with the people around you. It changes your interaction with the God of the universe, who as you pray, you'll pray more because mm-hmm. your, your time with him is spent in this ability to just thank him for the things in your life that you have, not to request things to be changed that you wish you had or you wish right. were different. And so it encourages you much in the same way that we play drums. If you're having fun playing drums, you're going to play drums more often. If you're mm-hmm. enjoying your time with God, you're going to spend more time with God. And I think that that's maybe the biggest takeaway for me with this is like, we need to spend more time in our personal dealings with God. And I think mm-hmm. that we would be more encouraged to do that if we approach that conversation with gratitude and therefore praise instead of God, why aren't you giving me this? Yeah. There yeah. are times where that is a necessary thing. You get on your knees and you scream out saying, God, where are you? God, how dare yeah. you? God, why? God, when? You know, God wants to hear that too. He, he put that passion in our hearts to scream out and, and question in a way that demands someone to listen like you're passionate enough about your wife right so when you fight you're fighting because you still care Mm. you wouldn't fight if you didn't care anymore you just walk away and there are times in our faith where we need to approach god with this conviction of like i don't get this i wish this were different i this is not okay and i'm not going to stand for this and you just grind it out look at uh look at jacob in the bible he wrestled with god Mm-hmm. He wrestled with an angel and the yeah. angel wrestled back because he was because he was wrestling with everything he had and what he was wrestling for was the blessing. And when he walked away from that fight after realizing it was an angel the blessing that he wanted he actually got. And the and the way in which you know that he got it, it in case you're wondering or unsure, the way the Bible verse reads is the sun the sun rose behind him. I'm sorry, I have to get this right. The sun rose above him. If the sun rises in front of him, it's in his face. If the sun rises behind him, it it casts a shadow. If the sun rises above him, it's a blessing. Hmm. And everyone knows this is true. And, and so did he. So when he walked away and the sun rose on him, above him in the morning, he knew he had received the blessing after fighting it out. There are times when that is necessary. But in our day-to-day lives, we, we need to think about what God has given us that we do not deserve. And they work together. Because if we think we deserve it, then there's nothing to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. If we know that we don't deserve everything that we've been given, it's all a gift, then we can't help but thank him. And to your point, that thankfulness, that gratitude leads us into praise. And I think what might be next after praise is probably repentance. Yep. Because you're moved by this idea of a God that could give you what you have, right? And then you're moved to celebrate him. And in lifting your arms to him and celebrating him, you're moved to repentance. And I can't imagine a better cycle for our lives to be in than to just gratefulness praise, repentance, thankfulness, praise, repentance. 
I mean, and, and repentance brings you to a place of thankfulness. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's really a cycle. Because once you repent or once you change the way you think or once you realize how undeserving you are, what is there left to be but thankful to the one who has spared your life and given you things that you don't deserve? True. You know, I mean, it's it's... It's honestly, it's that's the perfect cycle right there. And that's why I think that worship is, it is so, it's put in a box so often. You know, mm-hmm. we started talking about worship music at the very beginning of this episode and our dis or my distaste <laughs> for worship <laughs> my music. Distaste I'm sure you, my distaste too. My distaste too. But worship isn't just simply that worship song that you sang on Sunday morning or the worship song that you grew up hearing in church. It's, it's, it's uh, worship is is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Worship is a cycle. We just outlined this cycle of thankfulness, praise, repentance. Yeah, and repentance is really. I'm glad you threw that in there because that's a huge part of it. Um, you just you can just live in that cycle of worship. You can live in a constant state of worship. <laughs> you know, and it's um, it's very it's convicting to me. Right. I don't right. do this enough. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it and it, it sounds nice. And maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking this does sound nice. It sounds like it could be true. Maybe some of you are thinking this is complete. You know what? But, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's like we've talked about before. When you watch a great movie, the greatest movies, as Tim Keller talks about, the greatest storylines in every great movie will eventually come true. The reason they're great movies the reason they're great storylines is because down below everything else in our lives and our soul, we know they're true. Something speaks to us about it. And the reason we know they're true is because it actually happened. Someone gave their life up for the sake of the world. And yeah. if you think about the greatest stories and the most moving narratives, they usually have to do with a sacrificial providence, a sacrificial um a life that was laid down for the sake of someone else, oftentimes undeserving of that sacrifice. And when you see the story, when you hear the story, you think, oh my gosh, it's so moving. I'm not sure why, but it just is. It resonates with me. And yet we believe in the end that that is exactly what happened for us. And so when we yeah. see it, when we hear it, when we feel it, it means something to us because it's it's at the core of who we are. And yeah. as we're talking about this, it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. So how do we bridge the gap between talking about this and actually doing it. And I think it's a really simple adjustment. When something, when you leave your house in the morning, you're thinking about all the things you have to do that day. Just start smiling. C.S. Lewis talks about this. If, if you're upset, if you're down, force a smile. Your body is an amazing thing. Your, your body will actually follow suit. Even though you're not happy, the smile on your face forces emotions that wouldn't ordinarily be there. It will yeah. actually tell your body, wait a second, I'm smiling. I'm, I'm terribly unhappy. Like, I'm pissed, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I'm smiling. All these muscles are forming the smile on my face. In the same way, when you open the door to leave your house in the morning, you have all these things, and you just spilled coffee in your white shirt, and your wife's screaming at you, uh, and your car won't start, and your kids are a mess. It doesn't matter. Just force a smile. In other words, thank God for something that you do have. Mm-hmm. That nice pair of shoes, the fact that you feel pretty good, the coffee's amazing, though you just spilled it on your shirt. Like There are two ways to look at everything that happens in life, and if you just start really, really small, really small, 
then the next couple things are negative that come out of your mouth, catch yourself and go right back to it. And eventually that gratitude, I think, will spill over into just the majority of your thoughts and your actions instead of the minority of them. And you'll become a different person. Someone I want to be around. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't like being around overly joyful people because I'm like, dude, are you living in the real world? But it is (laughs) pretty nice to be living with someone or have a friend who, you know, chooses to see the best in a scenario every once in a while or to just be grateful for the fact that, they have whatever they have in their life instead of just always be wondering how to get ahead and, 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 you know, why things aren't fair. And, um, I think that gratitude will lead us towards this conviction to make a change so that things can Mm -hmm. be better for other people because things aren't fair. But I don't think the way to get to, to, to equality is, is for every time us to, to, to scream and yell about it. I think a lot of times the way to get there is to be grateful for what we have and out of that gratitude work towards a place of equality because we, we, we value life, we value relationships, we value the world that we live in so much that it's worth fighting for. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. I mean, so I love where you're taking this because because we're starting to get to practical application, which is my favorite part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bring it down. So for the, Bring it down. So for, for those of you listening who aren't Christians, I know there's a lot of you and I love that um, because this is, you know, whatever, whatever we believe, it doesn't it doesn't actually matter that like we're not trying to push this on you. We're just talking about life and this is how we approach it. If you approach it differently, it's it's fine. But but here is a is I love thankfulness as a topic because this is something that is or has been adapted across the board outside of the Christian faith. So whether you agree with everything that we're saying here, that's okay. What I want to stress though is that thankfulness is a tactic that will work in your life regardless of what you believe. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, it's that whole uh, glass half full mentality. Mm-hmm. So, listen, I get it. We are all having um, a shitty year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some, some more than others. Some I don't want others. to make. I don't want to make light of, you know, your situation. Um, you know, uh, I've had it pretty good, and I have very, very little to complain about. So do um, I. In the grand scheme of things, um, I know a few people who have every reason to complain and to call it quits at the end of this year. Yeah. Um, but uh, but at the same time, the the one thing that I can assure you will change your perspective and change your attitude and change your mood is thankfulness. If right now you're you're having a bad day and you're listening to this, I'm gonna throw on Holy Ghost notes because it makes me feel a little better. If you're listening to this, you're having a bad day, try to think of something that you're thankful for. Mm-hmm. That, that one thought is going to change the trajectory of your thought process. And why, why stop there? Think of another thing that you're thankful for. Mm-hmm. Think of a few things that you're thankful for. Um, I don't care if you're thanking anyone for them. Just think about what you're thankful for. What do you have in your life that is good? Dwell on that. You know, look at the glass half full. A realist is going to say it's a glass with water in it, mm-hmm. and that's true. <laughs> uh, it is. It's a glass with water in it. We've, we we have what we have, and we have to deal with it. But um, if you can be optimistic, um, you know, take a different approach. Realize that 
I'm breathing. I have breath. Um, our next guest that we have on the show, I'm not going to say his name, but it might give it away. He's missing a leg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good eye-opener. Our next, ge- yeah. our next guest is missing a leg. Um, and, and it's still uh, kicking butt, by the way. I and mean, he's still kicking More than butt. any of us. Yeah, uh, what an inspiring conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But this this guy, he's missing a leg. And, like, right off the bat, uh, I, what do I have to complain about? Yeah. You know, like, what really, like, I have two legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, that's something to be thankful for right there. I didn't wake up thinking, oh, I have two legs. Awesome. Yes, yeah. I'm good to go. But, right. But now, with that perspective, I am thinking that. Yeah. I've got two legs. I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> what do I have to complain about? Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that's important, especially, you know, I guess this topic is is somewhat timely with Thanksgiving coming up. Um, I know Thanksgiving is actually a hard time for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's, it's a tough time because uh, I lost my uncle, and this was years back, but... Um, Thanksgiving was the day that I most looked forward to because of him. So mm-hmm. I'm coming up to this time, and part of me is thinking, oh, man, like it's just not the same. Yep. I'm sure a lot of you can relate. Thanksgiving is not always the most thankful of times. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just a reminder of something bad. But um, if, we can, if we can stick to that thankfulness, like I, for me, I'm thankful for the time that I had with my uncle. Mm-hmm. And I'm, when I go to Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm remembering him, and I'm thankful that I have that memory. I'm thankful that I have the rest of my family still here with me to spend this time with. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that change of perspective rather than just dwelling on the fact that, oh, my uncle's not here. Mm-hmm. This sucks. I can't enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's, I have so many people here that love me, that I love. I have great food here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have <laughs> so many good memories with my uncle. It's like the, the, it, just that approach just changes everything. So I'm just running on like a like a broken record at this point. But I would encourage you all to to take hold of this. Christian, not Christian, I don't care. This is something that works. Try it out. <laughs> it worked for me. Um, there's there was an interaction I had with Ash Soon. I met Ash Soon at Zildjian Live. Ash Soon's a drummer. He played on Adele's record and played for a lot of different um, musicians over the years. But he he, no matter what you want to say about him, he's a high-profile drummer who I was very intimidated to meet. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to meet Ashton. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> and I met him, and he was a very nice guy. We played a lot of drums together. We hung out for about five days out in California, and then we went home. When I got home, Ashton called me, and we talked for maybe five minutes, and he just said he appreciated me. He appreciated meeting me. And he was just really glad that we got the chance to do what we did. And then we hung up. Mm. I thought about it afterwards. This is the point I want to make. All that work to get to California. He flew from the UK. I flew from PA. All of those years he's been playing drums, probably 25 years, maybe more. All of those accolades he could he could tout around and say, look at what I've done. All of the money we spent in California on dinners together. Everything we did out there. The project... Just everything, just just you know, add mm-hmm. it all together, and you have quite a collection. Both the experience leading up to it, and then the week. The yeah. the the one thing that I remember most about Ash Stone is that phone call. Hmm. Think about your life and everything that you're doing and and setting your mind to. For me, it's drumming, 
farming, this worship record. It's all a lot of work. It's all a lot of stress. It's all a lot of money. (laughs) Add it all together. Does it add up to what could potentially just be a three to five minute phone conversation with someone? What, why am I doing all of this? Is it, is it to impress somebody else? Is it to entertain someone else? Is it to, is it to help someone else? That all might be true. I think I'd like to think it is. And I think it is. I think it's true. Drumming, farming, the worship record. It's all improving and entertaining somebody at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what might carry more weight than all of that is a three-minute phone call with a person that could be the recipient of the farming, whether they're a local farmer who's buying the grain that I'm growing in my field, whether it's a fan of the band who's listening to my drumming, or somebody in church who's listening to the worship record. You call one of those people and you say, I really appreciate you. I'm glad you're in my life, and I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. That took... 10 seconds. And I think that that could go further, a lot further than any of the projects that we set our minds to. Yeah. I think it's food for thought. I think it's something in my life that's made me reevaluate how much time I spend on certain things and how little time I spend on others. And I think as we think about gratitude, we could think about how we show that appreciation, that thankfulness, how that carries out into how we're treating other people. And yeah. the mediums that we're using to live out of that gratitude every day. Right. Ash Stone, I can honestly say, changed my life a little bit with that phone call. He did. And you know that. We've talked about that a lot this year. Like yeah. that that oh, yeah. that trip changed me a little bit. And the and mm-hmm. the phone call was like the icing on the cake for the whole event. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, that's, I'm going to go a little off topic here and I'm going to tell a story about an interaction much like this one that has changed my life and it's stupid how much it's changed my life. So I was a kid. I don't remember how old exactly, but probably 10, 11, something like that. I remember being upset about something and I might've even been upset for good reason, (laughs) but I was, I was upset. Um, we were, we were in a crowd of people, and I caught eyes with someone. I was, you know, visibly upset. I caught eyes with this random person, still don't know who they are, but I remember clearly catching eyes with that person. They were smiling, very happy, and as soon as they saw me upset, they got solemn and, and sad. This person was smiling ear to ear, very happy, and as soon as they caught eyes with me and saw that I was upset, they're their entire expression changed. This was a, like a split second moment mm. in my life mm-hmm. <laughs> as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it impacted me so much because I realized that I was projecting negativity. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to sound like judgmental, mm-hmm. like it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to express those emotions. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. But that instance just taught me like, People are watching, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and sometimes like sometimes it's just doing something a little extra, like like that person, that smile, that person's smile, and that change in expre- uh, expression changed my life because now I'm like, man, like uh, I don't have to go around pouting and and being negative, mm-hmm. you know, because that's going to affect other people. Mm-hmm. You know, you said it, you said it pretty well, like. 
you don't want to be around people who are just negative all the time. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually uh, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, it doesn't mean you have to be happy go lucky all the time. But yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I think you know we want to be real. So, like I said, I, I'm not saying this to be like don't ever ha- you know don't feel anything. Yeah. Don't ever visibly yeah. show your you know how you're feeling. I think it's important to do that. I think it's very important to do that. Um, but I think too is is taking into consider in consideration who's watching, who you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. Um, don't make it as simple as just an expression or catching eyes with some random person. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, Ash Stone took the time to call Matt five minutes, changed his life. Yeah, in some way. Yep. Um, and and that's what he that was his takeaway. My takeaway was this guy's expression. Yeah, some random guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, some sometimes these these moments in life matter. Um, sometimes we need them to better ourselves. Um, sometimes we need them to, to change our mind. And I think, um, the ultimate summary of this conversation is, is gratitude is a a big thing and it goes a long way, Mm -hmm. not just for you as a person, but for the people around you and, um, displaying that gratitude, um, can be beneficial for you and the person you're thanking Mm -hmm. or displaying gratitude towards, right? For sure. So, as we enter into this Thanksgiving season, um, do your best to, you know, understand that yes, life is tough. It always will be. Twenty twenty was a uh, was odd. Mm-hmm. I will I will say that. But <laughs> but life is life is going to continue to be tough. There's going to be things that happen that don't make sense. That you know things that aren't fair. Um, how do how do we approach that? You know, mm-hmm. how do we handle that? It's it's our reaction to those things that really make us who we are and um, determine how life goes moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, if something happens to you, it's how you approach it. And you'll find out very clearly in our next guest interview. Absolutely. That's a good <laughs> how to, segue. How to move forward, right? That's a good segue. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> thank you so much, you guys, for listening to this. Um, it's been a lot of fun to be back. And um, yeah. As much fun as the guests are, it's fun to do one of the originals, just Tim and I. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that this has been a helpful conversation for you, both from the from a drummer perspective and uh, a human perspective. So yeah, um, yeah. thanks for a lot. Sure. Appreciate it's you guys. For me. Tim, we got uh, we have some news about some merch, right? You wanna you wanna talk about that? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So um, if you guys haven't heard already, we have new merchandise. We have a T-shirt and a hoodie. And a sticker as well, a new sticker. Um, and that's all up on shop.theholyghostnotes.com. You can check it out. Um, the sticker isn't and, just a sticker, uh, though. We're talking about the sticker, right? The sticker. Okay, it's so, a holographic yeah. sticker. Uh, well, there's a few stickers up there now. It but, is yeah. very cool. Yeah. I Tim sent me t- uh, two or three of them, and my girlfriend, Annie, walked in to my house, and she saw them sitting on my counter. She's like, oh, my gosh, can I have that? I'm like, uh, I no. guess. Tim, can you send me more? Okay, you can. Yeah, you can have it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. It's I've never seen a sticker like that. It's not just a sticker. It is a very it's a very expensive looking sticker. I don't know how much we pay for them, but I'm sure it's a fortune. So um, they're not cheap. Yeah, it's really cool. So anyway, we have a uh, a hoodie, a t-shirt, and stickers. So. Um, 
Hop on our the website and so check them out. so freaking comfortable. Yeah. I've been living in this hoodie. Yeah, like, it is nice. I haven't taken it off. I think I might have said it in, our, in the last episode, but um, my wife isn't a huge fan of the design. Um, <laughs> and so I, I order these and she's like, ah, oh, couldn't you have done just like something like simple? And, yeah. Uh, but anyway, she tried this hoodie on and she hasn't taken it off. So she's like, yep, <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm going to take one for myself too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if you ever ask, and we've been wearing it. Why are you guys still doing Holy Ghost notes? It's, it's so that we can print merch and stickers so that our significant and others can benefit. That that's the only that's reason we're still doing this. <laughs> that that is the the end goal. And hopefully for sure. some of you guys. So if you want to check it out, uh, hop online and um, check out the merch. And then we also have a Patreon as well. If you'd like to support us yes. and become an Inner Circle member. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, our Inner Circle is awesome. I say it all the time, but if you're interested um, in getting involved and supporting the podcast, we we don't make money from this. So um, your support. Uh, your you know merch purchases, your support on Patreon. That's literally how we um, continue doing this. So, if you're interested, Patreon.com/slash/HolyGhostNotes. Um, some cool perks up there as well. At uh, the triplet and Ghost Note tiers, you get immediate access to Macron lessons. So yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah, it was an awesome conversation, man. Thanks. Yeah, uh, good stuff. Thank you to you guys for listening. Thanks a lot, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, anytime. If you guys have any questions, concerns, feedback, hit us up, Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the works, you know. Yeah. Thank you guys. Oh, Looking and give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you get the chance. Yes. We appreciate that very much. So, yes, um, yes. in the meantime, uh, it's about that time. What time is it, Matt? Remind me. Well, three, <laughs> two, one. Peace. Peace. <laughs>